We are back for our first pod as Big East champs. Yeah, that's right. Say it louder for the haters in the back. I see all you UConn and Nova fans sneak dissing on Twitter. We, we ain't about that, okay? Big East champs, first time, 43 years. Just absolutely amazing scene at Providence a few Saturdays ago. Matt and I, we're going to talk about our takeaways from the last three games of the regular season, and we're going to give you a preview of the Big East Tournament. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 17 of the Friartown Pod. Nate Carrero here with my co-host, Matthew Shaker. And Matt, last time we came to everybody was after that 19-point comeback, that Butler game. So we haven't, you and I have talked, but we haven't talked to the people, to the FTP fans uh, since you know, the Big East title was clinched. So, you know, we weren't going to come on here after, you know, they clinched and just do like some big circle jerk, like, you know, whatever. I mean, everybody, everybody was celebrating. Uh, It was a great time. I wasn't there. Matt was there. Um, He can definitely speak to that atmosphere. We definitely celebrated hard that night. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I did from a, uh, from a distance. But, um, yeah, it's Big East Tournament time. The Big East Tournament starts today. Uh, in about four hours, we'll get our first tip-off in the first-round playing games. And your Providence Friars are that number one seed. Uh, so they've played three games. You know, we were just talking about it, and it's been such a layoff. Um, you know, right after that Butler game, you had the crazy Xavier triple overtime game which um, honestly that, that game could have been a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> like all, all the shit that went down in that game, man. Oh my God. Very, yeah. I mean, Kunkel, had, Kunkel had all their threes, except for the one that Scruggs had, the one that Scruggs hit to go into what triple overtime. Yeah. Yeah. That game had everything. Buzzer beaters, broken monitors, wet floors, and sand. Yeah. The ceiling was leaking. Literally, man. Like, uh, it just brought back memories from that Seton Hall game like three, four years ago where we had to leave in like the second half. He had to watch the rest of my phone the next day, them playing at Alumni Hall. (laughs) Uh, But after that Xavier game, we all know what happened Saturday. Um, You know, they clinch at home. Versus Creighton, an absolute beatdown. Um, they waited to that final, well, obviously not the final game of their year, but, you know, like the final really important game to finally give us a game where we didn't have to stress. I mean, that game was essentially over uh, like halftime, so. Yeah. And, and then, of course, you know, after that, we have the Villanova game at Villanova. And, you know, you lose by two points. You're down, what, 14 at the half. At Villanova, you come back, you lose by two points. Without Al Durham, you know, that's 
that really kind of defines this team. Not that they lost, obviously, 24-4. But it speaks for itself. But the fact that they came back, they were tough. They weren't scared. They're playing against a team that's been to how many national championships in the last five years? And and they're relentless. And Villanova is good. Even if they're not going to be the national um, championship favorite this year, they're still a legitimate contender. Oh, yeah. They've been hanging around top 10, 15 all year long. And you're right. It was a very, you know, you go into that game and you already know, like, listen, we've already clinched. Um, no, wow. Contrary to what was said about Al Durham not playing regardless that day, regardless of whether or not they had clinched at home, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I think that Al, was, Al would have been playing if they needed to win that game. At Villanova, and to tell you the truth, I think that whether or not they were playing for the championship at that point, I think that if Al had played, they win that game, and they win it by you know five six points. Yeah, I think Al is definitely uh, a difference really maker. Yeah, he definitely makes up the the two points in which they you know lost by just um, on the free throw line alone. Yeah, I think I think he would have played in that game as well. And um, not that PC shot poorly from the free throw line percentage wise, but I, I mean, they I, didn't really get to the line. And Al's gotten to the line, and made, I'm sorry, Al's made more free throws than anybody else in the league has taken free throws. So yeah, literally that changes <laughs> that changes everything around, which is just like a freaking wild stat. Um, oh yeah, he's, he's over 150 free throw makes on the year, shooting at over an 80 percent clip. I mean, going to be so clutch in these next few weeks, especially this weekend. I haven't seen any injury news on him. I think they're really, yeah, I think they're really like keeping that stuff like under wraps. But we're going to assume that Al is a go. I think I read somewhere yesterday that he was playing Thursday. Okay. Like it was definitely go. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking, they basically played like one game in almost two weeks, um, you know, when they step on the court tomorrow. And, you know, I understand they're hot team. They were shooting three ball well. It seemed like they were really, you know, starting to get it going on offense. And But the layoff definitely helps, especially with Al's health and – you know, any other minor injuries that we may not know about. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, obviously, that 430 game today, Butler and Creighton. I'm sorry, Butler and Xavier. Um, Xavier's beaten Butler twice. The first time, they beat him by a decent amount. The second time was at Butler. I'm sorry, at Xavier. And Xavier only beat him by two. You know, it's really tough to beat a team three times in a season. And, you know, I, I honestly, Xavier's favorite, I believe, even though that they're the lower seed, you know, lower rate, um, lower ranked. Xavier's got the better seed, but I mean, Butler's got the better seed, but, um, I think that Butler has a chance to beat them tonight. Despite the fact that Xavier's beaten them twice. Yeah. Six and a half point favorites. Um, if I'm betting on that game, which I'm staying away for the day, 
Um, I'll, I will take those six and a half points for sure. I think it'll be a lower scoring game. Uh, the over under actually is set at one thirty one. It is by far <clears throat> the lowest over under on the three game slate today. And yeah, not only do I think Butler could pull that game out today, but I am praying <laughs> that they do. I would much rather see Butler tomorrow if I'm PC. Um, yeah, and you know I think the fans do too. Yeah, and I, yeah, because I, I mean we put out that poll. And it was unanimous, uh, Butler. That you know that that the fans want to see PC play against. I just think it's like both your games at Xavier, down to the wire, down to the freaking triple wire in the second one. The first one, you know, you don't win unless Bynum hits. You know, and Bynum doesn't hit that, you know, three pointer with however many seconds left. And uh, it feels like Xavier is bound to get you. But... You also don't win that game without Alan Breed. Yeah. Who, made oh, his, yeah. who doesn't really play that much, who hasn't really played that much recently. I mean, only missed one free throw in overtime. Yeah, that was great. That was great. And um, it was very clutch. And then even, even in the triple overtime, I think, he hit like a nice runner in the lane. Like he was – actually doing things on offense. It was it was very nice to see. And he's like low key, like obviously we know this. You look at the numbers and they tell you, but I mean, you gotta feel pretty confident even when he's at the free throw line. Like he's a very good free throw shooter. He doesn't get there a lot, but percentage wise, he hits at a very nice clip. I think it's over eighty percent. Right. And he's a good defender. Yeah. Breed you know, for whatever reason his shot whether it's a jump shot from three mid range that he takes, or, or or a layup, for whatever reason, it just hasn't been going in this way this year, the way it was last year. Nothing you can do about that. But when you have, but you can get him into the rotation. You know, you, you don't want to depend on him for big minutes for Al's minutes, but you can get him in for five ten minutes a game, or in certain matchups, then it'd be effective. Yeah. Over these last three games, I would say, that Xavier game, not so much the Creighton game because the game wasn't that close, but then obviously the Villanova game with no wow, he ate up a lot of those minutes. Um, and he wasn't bad. No, he's – that's yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. I mean, say. he wasn't out, but, in, but he wasn't bad. Yeah. And, you know, for him to be your eighth, ninth guy, you know, you'll take that. Yeah, definitely. He's been and, – and I think he hit a three-ball in that Villanova game. He hit a three-ball a couple games ago. And, you know, I know these are just, like, little things. But in terms of where the he – little matter, man. They yeah. yeah, where he was last year, how he was for the first, you know, 75% of this year in terms of his offensive play, it's just nice to see some of those shots fall down. Listen, he doesn't need to be out there shooting five, ten shots a game, but – you know, if he's got an open look from three, I, I want him to take that shot. I do. Absolutely. I've seen him hit it plenty last year. And, you know, whatever. Obviously, he's not taking as many field goals this year, and rightfully so. And the minutes are down, obviously. But I'm totally okay with it. And I think they're going to need Breed. I think they're going to need him at some point. You never know with this Al injury. And like you said, I was like an eighth guy coming off the bench. I mean, 
can't even be you can't be mad about that. I saw I saw a crazy stat yesterday that like four out of the top eight guys in the Friars rotation were like not even top four hundred recruits in their class or something like that. Yeah. And that just I mean, listen, Ed Cooley is the national coach of the year. Like I, I'm not I'm not sure if I ever expected a national coach of the year to come from Providence, but like if he does not get it this year, he is robbed. Everybody's saying like Greg Gard and like Adams, like That's get, more. get out of here. It's not even close. It's not even close what Ed has done with his program to what those guys are doing. I get it; those guys have good teams and stuff, but like, dude, like <laughs> Adams, I, Adams, like I know he, I know they have like a lot of transfers and stuff, and like like every other school, and Texas Tech is you know, maybe more than, like, others, but, dude, he inherited, like, a national championship team. I mean, that team was the national championship, like, two years ago. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, don't don't come telling me that this guy's, like, building a program from, like, the ground up, basically. Like, PC got bounced in the first round of the Big East tournament by DePaul last year, okay? And now they've been essentially a top-10 team all year, like, to me, the conversation really isn't that close. But I think he's going to get it. It would just be straight robbery if he didn't. Yeah, no doubt. You know, PC only has two former top 100 recruits on his team. <clears throat> and that would be A.J. Reeves, who was in the 40s, and Nate Watson, who was exactly 100. Yeah. Think about that for a bit. I know. That means that Justin Minaya, who, by the way, for the record, is the best defensive player in the Big East. I don't care about the steals per game or blocks per game. Oh, my God, bro. It's, it's ridiculous. All you got to do is watch the kid play. Yeah. Yep. I know. That That's what I was saying on Twitter. And that's me. no knock on Cockburn. Yeah. By any stretch. That kid's a good, he's a good young player. But Minaya is, he can, he can guard three forward positions. You know, at an elite, elite, elite level. Yep. As good as it gets. But nevertheless, that means that he wasn't a top 100 recruit. Al Durham, who was a two-year, uh, I'm sorry, a three, three-and-a-half-year starter at Indiana and a two-year captain there, and now was this year a captain at Providence, he wasn't a top 100 recruit. And it means that Noah Horkler, wasn't a top 100 recruit, but we knew that. I mean, he was a Juco guy who didn't really play much, I'm pretty sure, his first year Juco, that wound up going to low team one. Yeah. And eventually came to Providence, where he's been tremendous. But Yep. Also, means Jared Bonham wasn't a top 100 recruit. You know, Big East sixth man of the year, second team all Big East. Yeah. Yeah, all the, all the awards came out a few days ago, and I think it was pretty obvious that Bynum was going to get Six man. Um, oh yeah, and in my personal opinion, he should have been first team all these. I was surprised that Roden made it first team. I really thought. For- I was surprised Cole made it over him too. Yeah. Yep. I would have. I would have switched out Roden and Cole probably for Bynum and JFL. Oh yeah, me too. I mean JFL. I'm pretty sure was the leading scorer in the league. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Something too with Champagne, too. I mean, 
I get he's come on more of late, but he's had a real boom or bust season when it comes to Big East play. Yeah. He's had some pathetic games. Yeah. And I guess. Well, I get like he's got the numbers mm-hmm. per game. Yeah. But like that's not really indicative of what he's actually done for that, for that St. John's team. Exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's carried them at times. But other times, he, you know, he's gone like four for 17 from the field. You know, yeah. we're talking about David Duke numbers last year. <laughs> trying to yeah. carry the team and not being able to. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I thought, and these these awards and teams and everything, they're all voted by Big East coaches. So, I mean, am I surprised that Kalkbrenner gets the depoy? Not necessarily, but I mean, these, these Big East coaches know, like, listen, okay. <laughs> and I, I said this on Twitter. I feel like a lot of people agreed with me because there was some interaction when um, I commented on the Big East post. Uh, it's a lot easier to be seven feet and just sit in the paint and swat two or three shots a game. What Manaya does on the perimeter guarding the ball is much, much more difficult. And obviously, the stats aren't there to prove it, but I mean, these Big East coaches know they game plan. They're off, like when you're playing Providence College, the first guy you're thinking of when you're talking about attacking their defense is Justin Manaya. Like it just kind of, I think he, sh- I really think he should have got it. Granted, I haven't watched a lot of Creighton this year, but I know in that one game that we did play Creighton, it's not like Kalkbrenner was extremely impressive. PC got a lot of points in the paint that game, um, you know, outside of AJ Reeves, like a million threes that he hit. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I guess it was completely. It looked like a complete man over him. Hawkrunner, I believe, got honorable mention for Big East, uh, for the Big East teams. Watson got second team, and rightfully so. Sonogo's just been ridiculous this year, but yeah. the, the, the gap between. Watson and Cockbrenner in that matchup was humongous. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And that's a potential matchup for PC. So uh, let, let's let's get to the tournament here. You and I will give some predictions. So today our first game is Butler Xavier. Then we have DePaul St. John's. See, now that's going to be a game, I think. Yeah. Game to watch. So... Obviously, our third game today. Yep. I think that, you know, I, who knows? There's a reason why you play the games, I suppose. But Yeah, but there's also a reason why. That, that Georgetown was... team. <laughs> I don't know, man. They didn't win a game in the regular season, in the regu- Big East regular season. Um, yeah, I, I don't see them winning. No way. So as we Maybe said, they won't lose by 15 or 20 points, but I, I don't see them winning. Yeah, the Xavier, Xavier game at 430. Xavier are six and a half point favorites over Butler. That over under is one thirty one. I'm gonna go Xavier there. I think Xavier's gonna pull it out, even though, you know, we're really pulling for Butler there. I'm gonna go Butler. Oh, okay. Let's go. I'm gonna go Butler because of the trend in terms of Xavier hasn't really been playing that great lately. Overall. I mean I know they went to triple overtime with us, but overall yeah. and the last against Butler was at home, and they only lost – I'm sorry, they only won by two. So I'm going to go Butler here. Big, big game for Xavier because in the latest 
and I know this isn't the end-all be-all, but in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology, Xavier was the last four in. So if they want to make sure they get in the tournament, they need to win today. If, They're not getting in the tournament if they lose. Yeah, if they lose today. Yeah, exactly. If they lose today, they are going to be sitting on the edge of their seats come Sunday praying that their name is called. And to be honest with you, like you mentioned, the way their last you know, 10, 12 games have gone, where they've only won you know, two or three of them, whatever the hell it is, I could, I could definitely see Xavier missing the tournament. Um, so the second game at 7 o'clock, St. John's is four-and-a-half-point favorites over DePaul. That over-under is 155. That, that is 24 more points than the Xavier Butler game. So they're expecting, you know, obviously a high-scoring game, something around, you know, in the high 70s for each 80 team. to 75. Yeah. And uh, that one, I mean, four and a half, man. Like, DePaul, uh, I mean, this is the one I struggle with the most. Like, I really see the team winning. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with the Johnnies here, but I could really see DePaul winning this game. Uh, DePaul won some bigger games towards the end of the year, the Big East year. And, you know, I think DePaul's going to have probably the best player on the floor tonight, but I'm going to go with the Johnnies. They're at home, whatever. I don't know how much that really means, but if you're a St. John's fan, you better be showing up tonight because this might be the last time you see your team play all year. So, I'm going to go with the Johnnies. What about you? I'll go with St. John's, too. Not by much. Um, you know, I could very easily go with DePaul. Yeah. But I'm going to go with St. John's for the very reason that I think that Posh Alexander is the difference maker here. He's the guy that, you know, I mean, you can kind of cancel out Champagne if he's on with Freeman Liberty if he's on. Now, if one of those two guys are off, that's a different story. But if assuming those two guys cancel each other out, and David Jones is solid. You know, I think that uh, – and, and Wheeler's solid. I think Posh Alexander is the guy that – that uh, he's the game changer. He's the deciding factor. Yeah, I like that take. And then tonight's game doesn't really need much conversation. Seton Hall, nine-and-a-half-point favorites over Georgetown. Uh, definitely going to see it all here. I mean, Georgetown hasn't won a Big East game all year. Well, uh, if you want to make money – <laughs> um, then you might want to go with Georgetown. On the other hand, if you want to make money, definitely don't go with Georgetown. Because <laughs> yeah. we're going to go hard against Georgetown. We're going to go Hall. Yeah, definitely. Um, All the way. Nine, nine and a half points. I thought that was going to be a little bit more of a – I thought that was going to get up to the double digits. It might by the time it tips off at 9.30. But. All right, so. I'll take Seton Hall by – by Ted. I yeah. like you know, I I think that that's fair. All right, so Matt's got Butler St. John seating tonight. I'm going Xavier St. John seating tonight. So we'll go to tomorrow's games now. Uh so it will be Providence versus you have them up against Butler. I have them up against Xavier. Um I think we're both gonna pick Providence here. Either way. Yeah, I'll go with Providence. Yeah. Yep. Um, obviously, we mentioned it before, tough to beat a team three times in a year. Providence swept. 
both Butler and Xavier this year. Um, I think I think Butler pl- already played their you know good game against Providence. They should have beat them in that game a few weeks at home. They blew that lead, and um, I don't expect PC to play another game against Butler like that if they get another crack at them tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Butler's a good team. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're in the best conference in the country, and they didn't do that poorly. Um, but, you know, I definitely think that Providence being the number one seed, having Al Durham on the court, A.J. Reeves the way he's been playing, you know, I mean, all these things are, you know, could change. They're all variables, but True. we're going to go on recent success and the way things have gone pretty much all season. I'll take Providence any day of the week against Butler. Yeah, and Al didn't even play in that game at Butler either. So Right. All right. Game after that will be the 4-5 matchup. Marquette in Creighton. I am going to go with... I'm going to go with Marquette here, Matt. I'll go with Marquette, too. Yeah. Not that I don't think that Creighton's a good team that they or that they don't really have much of a chance of winning, because I think they do. I mean, Creighton's a good team. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, I think Justin Lewis is the best player in the conference. And I think Daryl Marcel is one of the most underrated players in the conference. Yeah, Marcel made – I think he was on the honorable mentions. I don't think he made the second team. It, which I think is a crime. I think that he definitely deserved it. Yeah, and Justin Lewis won most improved player in the Big East this year. He he averaged over 17 points a game this year, and last year he only averaged like seven. So um, a 10-point-per-game increase will definitely uh, – win you that Marquette is two and a half point favorites tomorrow against Korean. So I'm going to go Marquette. Yeah. I, although I would like to see Korean as a Providence fan in the semifinals. All right. We'll kind of get through these here. You're going to have the uh, Villanova St. John's matchup for both of us. I'm going to go Nova there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to. Not that, that St. John's not that St. John's is bad by any stretch, but Gillespie's too much, I think. Gillespie more. I think St. John's will get their one and off to maybe the NIT for them. Yeah, and I mean something too is if St. John's had like a real dominant big guy like a Sonogo or a Watson, I could say, okay. But they don't I don't see how they they ha- how they win that battle with Dixon inside. And that's yeah. where I think that Villanova would be exposed the most. So yeah, let's go. Let's go Nova here. All right, and then we'll have the Seton Hall UConn matchup. I, oh man, I flip flopped on this one a lot, but I'm gonna go UConn. There's just more star power on that team, and um, I I don't think Aiken is gonna play again for Seton Hall. Right, and. You know, that's why I'm going to go UConn, too. Um, you know, I think that Sonova's too much to handle for that team. Yeah. So, we'll go there. So, right now we have the top. I think Marquette's the five seed. So, we got one five. So, we got PC Marquette. I'm going to go PC there. I think you as well. Yeah. I don't see – you know, I know PC got blown out by them. But last time they played them, they beat them pretty good. Nothing went right for them when they lost to them. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but I do think that on the neutral court, PC has the edge. Yep, I would expect Providence to be favored in that game. 
Then I is in a job on Lewis. Yeah, exactly. And if you stop him, I mean, you're really forcing guys that aren't like huge scores, like you know, to really score the ball. Kolek and Morcel, and I think Province could definitely handle them again. Seaton, uh, Seaton. UConn and Nova. I'm gonna go UConn there. Yeah, I will too. Um, yeah. And once again, you know, I think that Sonogo is too much for Dixon to handle. You know, I think we've already seen Watson expose Dixon for three of three out of uh, four halves that they played this year, and I think that's going to be the the real deciding factor right there. Yeah, I agree. And then Providence, UConn. Obviously, I'm not going to send Providence all the way here just to pick. UConn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. See, and I think um, I think you as well. And if PC wins the Big East tournament, I think that's going to lock them into a three seed in the tournament. And if it doesn't, then that's a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, I think I think the committee is going to force PC to win their conference tournament to grant them a three seed. I think regard. I think regardless, they're a four seed. Even if they freaking lose tomorrow, I think they're still going to be a four seed. But I think the committee is going to make them win the tournament to get a three seed. And three is a lot better than a four. <laughs> you get to absolutely you get to skip the one seed in the Sweet Sixteen, and it's just a lot, well, a lot better. Well, of course. Now before we go, so we have Providence. We both have Providence. Think, the Big East uh, Tournament Championship. First time since 2014. Who is your ch- uh, tournament player um, of, you know, your player, your player of the tournament? Your MVP. I am going to go. I'm going to stick with the hot hand. I'm going to go with AJ Reeves. I'm going to go with AJ. I can see him putting up, you know, some couple 20-point games in the three-game stretch. And I think if he scores at that clip, they would give it to him, especially if he has a big championship game. Um, I could see why, you know, maybe Bynum with his rebound assist stats, stuff like that, or maybe even Watson. But I'm going to go with AJ. What says you? So I'm actually going to go with Noah Horkler. Okay. I like that. And the reason why I'm going to go with it is because I think that's, you know, I think that we see that awards, rankings, they're solely based on statistics. Yeah. And while I'm really thinking, hoping, and I, I have high hopes that Reeves are really going to pop off in the tournament, I think that Watson, I'm sorry, not Watson, Horkler is a double-double machine. And I think that if you see him averaging close to a double-double, how do you not give it to him? You're right. He could definitely. And, it, and if he's going to average close to a double-double, he's going to have to be shooting the three-ball really well because that's his game. Yeah, and he was shooting it well going into this little break here. He could definitely be like a 15-10 and 10 kind of guy through three-game stretch. So I'll give, the, I'll give the odds here. So Villanova's favored to win the conference tournament at 165, Connecticut at 350, and PC at 500. His third favorite, and then after them is Marquette, Creighton, Seton Hall. Had some longer shots. So, um, PC has been given the third best chance. It's nice that Villanova and Connecticut are on the other side of the bracket. I think Providence has a 
a nice path to get to at least the Big East tournament final. And uh, let's hope they get there Saturday, Matt. Let's hope so. Yeah. And I will see you in New York. Yeah, you and I will be there. Everybody uh, hit us up at my Twitter, Friartown Pod Twitter. We'll be there. Uh, we'll definitely, you know, meet up with you guys if you guys want, if you're at MSG or maybe at a bar after the game or something. But, yeah, let's do it, man. Yeah, let's celebrate together. <laughs> let's go. All right. Well, for Nate Carew, that's Matt Shaker. FTP out. <laughs>